You are listening to the Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Pittsfield campus. But I do have a word, I believe. (laughs) The last couple times that, it's been two times that I've been up here with you all, and there was a specific topic. We were in a series, there was a topic, so I kind of had something to go with. And I'm not sure if that made it harder or easier. So this time when Mike said, I'd like you to preach on September 4th, I said, okay, what's it on? And he said, I don't know, ask God and find out. (laughs) So I did. And I really believe that God gave me a word for all of us. And it's about our perspectives. But have you enjoyed the series the last four weeks that Mike has been talking about the love of God? Hasn't it been incredible? We heard about God's love for us from the very first chapter and how we are God's daily delight. I hope you've been really processing that. You, each one of you, are God's daily delight. We heard about God's great plan. And if you were here and you saw Pastor Mike get down on one knee when he's demonstrating to us the bride of Christ, did that bring Holy Spirit goosebumps? It sure did for me. I kind of wanted to like run up here and stand in front of him. (laughs) And then last week, wow, we heard about the incredible price that Jesus paid for us, his daily delight, by going to the cross willingly, fully man, fully God, so he knew for the joy set before him, despising the shame, he took our place. Well, I want to let you know that that series that Pastor Mike preached on came from a discipleship course called OSL Operation Solid Lives. And it was written by, the the course itself was written by a pastor by the name of Jerry Dearman, and he's a four-square pastor out in California. And we had the opportunity to um, kind of preview this course a couple years ago. There's many levels to it, Operation Solid Lives, and there's level one, two, three, and it goes... I don't even know how many levels there are now, but it was the most powerful teaching Mike and I, I think, have ever heard. Whether you were a brand new Christian, whether you didn't know the Lord, or you'd been walking with him for 30 years, it's so powerful. So we're going to do that again here. And it's going to start in October. I don't have all the details for you yet. But I want to just kind of put it in your brain that if if you even liked a little bit of that series, it's just a snippet of what you'll get in Operation Solid Lives. It's a five-week commitment. So if you want to grow in your relationship with Jesus, plan on being there. So let's open up the word this morning to the book of Numbers, chapter 13 and 14. And I know, I think I've mentioned this before, I... Personally, I didn't grow up knowing the stories of the Bible. So when pastors are up here or I'm in a group of people and they say, you know, oh, we're going to talk about this story. I know you've heard it so many times or you heard it. I never had. So I'm not assuming that every one of you have heard this story before. And I'm not going to say I'm sure you're familiar with it or I know you've heard it many times. But numbers, it's the fourth book in the Old Testament, so it's toward the beginning of your Bible. And if you do take Operation Solid Lives, 
Pastor Jerry Dearman has this awesome song that he teaches us the books of the Bible. And I was remembering years ago, we were in a, Mike and I were in a crown financial class, which is all about your finances and learning God's way to manage your finances and just really practical ways to do that. The Epsteins were actually in that course with us. And I can remember we would sit around the table and we would have homework and we would have to look up scriptures and and I was completely lost without using my table of contents. And every once in a while, I would know where something was. And I would get so excited. I'd be like, I found that one. Let me read that one. I found that one. So when I found out in this Operation Solid Lives class that he teaches the books of the Bible, I was so excited. I'm like, I'm going to learn so much. So raise your hand if you took that course the first time around. We have a couple people. All right, ready? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, then 2 Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings and Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Yay, clap for me, clap for me. (laughs) There's a lot more, but if you take that class, after you do that song with the other people in your class for five weeks, you're going to know too. And then you'll be like me and you'll sing to find your place in the Bible. (laughs) So what we're going to talk about today, what I feel like God has um, given me for all of us to talk about is our perspective. And our perspective is, we all have a perspective and what we base our perspectives on changes our perspective. What is it that we focus on? It's how we see things. And our perspective and our reality can be very different. Many times you'll hear people talk about things like, you've all, I bet you, you've all heard this one. Is this half full or half empty? Yes. Right? Some people see it half full, some people see it half empty, but reality is... It's both. It's both. That's the reality. I'm going to move that back here. So we can struggle with having a positive perspective even in the little things. And I'm just going to share a little thing with you that God was showing me. This past Monday, Mike and I got to go to the beach. We haven't been all summer. (laughs) And we decided we're going to make this happen. But there were several things in the day that caused me to think about what perspective am I going to have? What am I going to choose? So here's my reality, and it could be my perspective. We hadn't been to the beach all summer long, so going now would mean out of the whole summer, we only got to go one time. We only had a portion of the day to be there, so to make the most of it, we had to get up at 4 a.m. M. And then it was cloudy. So the sunrise wasn't the best I've ever seen. Getting there so early in the morning, I think we got there 5.30ish or whatever. It was chilly on the beach. Not like your hot summer day. I got to exercise, which I'm trying to get better at that. So I got to go and run. But I failed to run the desired length of time that I'm, it's crazy. Some of you are runners, that's great. 
I look at runners and I think that would be so fun. It looks like it's so fun. And then I get out there and I hate it. And it's so stinking hard. But I've been working really hard at it and I've been following this Couch to 5K app. And I'm in, I think, about the fifth week. And you're supposed to be able to run 20 minutes straight without stopping at this point. Well, I'm a slow learner. <laughs> I'm, uh, so I get out there and I think, this is great, right? I'm going to run on the beach. It's beautiful here. It's flat. How awesome is that? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be able to do this. I'm going to do my 20 minutes. Well, I didn't. I didn't. I did about 10 and we had to leave after we were there. I think we left at like 11 o'clock. So we had to leave after we were only there for a few hours. So that all could be my perspective of the day, right? Here's another snapshot. We had the opportunity to go to the beach. It was awesome. God provided a block of time. He provided a beautiful day. Getting there so early in the morning gave us the opportunity to see the sunrise, right? God reminded me of how much he loves me and how he created all that for me to enjoy. I remembered a sweatshirt, so I wasn't freezing on the beach. I had my sweatshirt on. And in that just almost 10 minutes that I ran for my physical fitness, that was more than I've ever run in one time without stopping. It's not very long, so you don't have to clap for me, but <laughs> we got to enjoy the beach, and we still worked a half day, so we got both of those things done. So you're probably sitting there, and you're thinking, yeah, Kathy, I have a lot bigger struggles in my life to base my perspective on than whether I get to go to the beach or not, and how that beach day is. Well, me too. Mike and I are just like all of you. We've had and we still have some major struggles that we have to choose our perspective in. Let's just talk about some of those bigger examples. Your marriage might be struggling. You see no other outcome but divorce. Your perspective is he, he or she's never going to change. And so you have no choice. Your children are far away from the Lord. They're walking down paths that you never dreamed for them. Your perspective might be nothing will ever change. They're never going to follow the Lord, so I might as well give up praying. Maybe you've made what you consider too many bad decisions in your life. And you think, I'm just never going to get this right. This addiction you are in, it has you bound. There's no way out. You're never going to be free. Financially, you're upside down. Bankruptcy, becoming homeless is your only future. The doctors gave you a report that says you or someone you know and love has a severe health condition. You can only see that diagnosis and the predicted outcome. You struggled with depression for years. Two steps forward, ten steps back. There's a history of it in your family, so you may as well just get used to it. That's the way life's going to be. 
you've been out of work for so long, you can't find a job, every door seems to shut, you let the enemy tell you you're worthless, you're incapable of providing for your family. Maybe something terrible happened to you as a child or as an adult. You're holding on to unforgiveness in your heart. Your whole life story revolves around this. You'll never be happy. Maybe you just deserved this trauma in the first place. What's your particular situation? Those are just a few. We all have many. What are you up against? I challenge you to write it down. What are you up against? And write down what your perspective is right now, today. If you are part of a life group, talk about that this week. Talk about with others what you're going through and what you see as a perspective. We all have a choice in our perspectives. And our perspectives affect how we live our lives. Let's now dig into the word. So Numbers 13. I'll just give you a little backstory. So after the children of Israel were freed from Egyptian bondage and delivered from Pharaoh's army, they began their journey toward Mount Sinai. In the wilderness, God provided food, water, and protection. But when they arrived at Sinai, they received the law that would govern them as a nation and the pattern for the tabernacle regulating their worship. After being numbered and organized, they were now ready to enter the land of promise. However, it seems that the people originated the idea to search the land. God agreed to it, told them to spy out the land and see how the people lived. How strong were they? And what did the land look like? So I'm going to read this scripture. And bear with me because there's some words in here I have no idea how to pronounce. So... I was telling that to Pastor Mike, and he said, don't worry, nobody knows how to pronounce them. So (laughs) let's just go with that. So Numbers 13, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, every one a leader among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all of them men who were heads of the children of Israel. Now these were their names from the tribe of Reuben, Reuben, Shamua, the son of Zachar, from the tribe of Simeon, Shaphet, the son of Horai, from the tribe of Judah, Caleb, the son of Jephunai, Jephunah, from the tribe of Iskar. Okay, now let's skip. I'm not going to read all those names. And Let's go to verse 16, though. These are the names of the men who Moses sent to spy out the land, and Moses called Hoshea, the son of Nun, Joshua. Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up this way into the south and go up to the mountains and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are forests there or not. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rehob, near the entrance of Hamath. And they went up through the south and came to Hebron. 
Ahiman, Sheshai, and Talmai, the descendants of Anak, were there. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zon in Egypt. Then they came to the valley of Eshkol, and there cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. They carried it between two of them on a pole. They also brought some of the pomegranates and figs. Wait a minute, wait a minute, let's stop here. Did you hear that? There they cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes, and they had to carry it between a pole. Okay, we need to, Bob and Kevin, can you come up here for a second? We, we need to look at this. This blew my mind thinking about this. Nice pole. You guys must be pretty weak if you need this pole to carry these grapes. Don't they look really heavy? Can you imagine? One cluster of grapes. Hopefully they don't fall off onto the... Can you imagine these grapes must have been huge, huge. God wanted them to bring back fruit that they would see how wonderful this land was. Not just this little cluster of grapes. Does that blow your mind like it did mine? Like think about, they they need this pole to carry this fruit back so that they can show people what it's like. Thank you. You want to eat them? Sure you can I'll eat them. Hey, they're good grapes. All right, let's just put this here. See if I can make it not fall off. Okay, so remember those grapes. The place was called the Valley of Eshkol because of the cluster which the men of Israel cut down there. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. Look, look at these grapes that we have to carry on a pole. This is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb, everybody say that, then Caleb, Caleb. quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we're not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, 
the descendants of Anak came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. How big are grasshoppers? Little. And so we were in their sight. 14. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, Let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. But Joshua, say, but Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunai, Jephunai, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, and they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly, exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the children of Israel. And one more verse, verse 24. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. Interesting. Two attitudes, two perspectives. The outlook of the ten spies wasn't very bright. Their report was one of gloom. They could only see the problems instead of the possibilities, the giants instead of God, and defeat instead of victory. The writer called it an evil report. Their attitude could certainly be called negative. But on the other hand, Caleb and Joshua were very optimistic. Their report was one of hope. They saw the possibilities instead of the problems. They saw God instead of giants and victory instead of defeat. God said Caleb had a different spirit. Yeah, it was different from the ten spies because it was positive instead of negative. But I believe the difference was Caleb based his perspective on God's promises, not on the circumstances or reality. But let's look at the spies and see what traits they base their perspectives on. But be listening to these traits and see if you see any traits that you base your perspective of your specific circumstance on. They had doubt. They said, we are not able Doubt caused them to question their resources to take the land as well as their God who was leading them. Self-depreciation. We are in our own sight as grasshoppers. They saw themselves as so small. And so we were in their sight. Teeny tiny little grasshoppers about to be squashed by the big bad giants. 
fear. We sang this morning, we sang a lot of songs about fear. Joshua indicates that they were afraid. Fear naturally follows doubt and self-depreciation. Fear then will paralyze one and keep him from acting. Think about that. I think about it standing up here. (laughs) Critical spirit. When people become negative and inactive, they turn to criticizing others who want to move forward. The whole congregation was influenced, right, by these ten. And they started murmuring and complaining against Moses and Aaron, God's leaders. They were rebellious. Rebellion. The preceding attitudes, all the ones we talked about so far, contributed to the spirit of rebellion against God. They said, let us make a captain and return to Egypt. Can you just imagine being on the brink of a place where grapes had to be carried between two poles, this land of promise, and they wanted to return to the land of slavery? How about ingratitude? Their spirit was not thankful for their blessings. They failed to appreciate all that God had done for them in the two years after leaving Egypt. And all of those things can be summed up in unbelief. The writer of Hebrews says that unbelief kept them from entering Canaan. How many of those traits are you basing your perspective on in situations in your life? Doubt. Self-depreciation, fear, critical spirit, rebellion, ingratitude, unbelief. These attitudes are what hold us back. They divide us and they cause us to wander around in the wilderness of sin. And they keep us from entering the land of promise. Caleb and Joshua, these two men were different. They had a different perspective, a different focus on life, a different attitude altogether toward God and toward God's work. They had faith. What they say? We are well able to overcome. Not just able, we're well able to overcome. They believed in themselves, in their fellow Israelites, but most importantly, they believed in God, their God. They had confidence. Concerning the Canaanites, Joshua said, the people are bred for us. Their defenses departed from them and the Lord is with us. They had the confidence in the outcome of this undertaking because they knew they were doing the will of God. They had courage. Joshua said, fear them not. He was not afraid of the big bad giants, the walled cities, the strength of the people. Did you see that bug just fly over my head? They, Caleb took action. He said, let us go up at once and possess it. Have you ever noticed positive people say, let's go, let's do it now? And they were thankful. They understood the land was a gift from God, a blessing due to his delight in them, True appreciation for one's blessings will lead to action and obedience. I was thinking about some of these things and and my perspective both ways for the beach, right? The first one, I wasn't very appreciative that God was giving us that 
that small time. I saw it as a small block of time. Oh, the whole summer only get to go four hours, you know. So I'm like, wow, look at this. It's gorgeous. It's warm. It's a great day. It could have rained. It could have poured. So today, as we face our giant problems, suffering, sickness, big, big problems, We need to think about those positive traits, faith, confidence, and courage, coupled with action, and appreciate God's blessings, and that will lead us on to victory. But how do we do that? How do we start seeing those things and changing our perspectives? Well, I think we can start to see things differently when we remember and look at God's promises. Did you know... Now, I I looked this up on the internet. Pastor Mike always says everything on the internet. That means it's right, but I won't go with that. But I'll just say, it said there was over 3,500 promises in the word of God. God has over 3,500 promises for all of us. It's a lot. It's a lot of promises. So back to those examples we talked about at the beginning. Your marriage is struggling. It's headed for divorce. Your perspective based on realities, that's the only option. There's no hope. But based on God's promises, Proverbs 18, 22, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Genesis 2, 18, and the Lord God said, is not good for that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. 1 John five fourteen. Now this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Our perspectives can change. When we change those perspectives, we change the way we live our lives. It's hard. I'm not saying this is just easy. But maybe our perspective becomes... Lord, this is hard, but you know what? We're going to make it because all things are possible with you and your desire is for us to be together. Your children are far from the Lord, walking down paths that weren't part of your dreams for them. Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Isaiah 49, 25, even the captives of the mighty shall be taken away and the prey of the terrible be delivered for I will contend with him who contends with you and I will save your children. Malachi 4, 6, and he who turns the hearts of the fathers to the children and he will turn the hearts of the father to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Trust God, believe God for these things. You've made many bad decisions in your life. Isaiah 44, 22. I have blotted out like a thick cloud your transgressions and like a cloud your sins return to me for I have redeemed you. Today is a new day. This addiction that has you bound. Psalm fifty fifteen. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. John 8, 36. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Romans 8, 
1 and 2, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has overtaken you except such as in common to man, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. How does that change your perspective? God wants you to be free. So you say, God wants me to be free. He'll help me overcome it. Lord, show me. Financially, you're upside down. Deuteronomy 28.12 The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on your land in season, to bless all the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none. Matthew 6.31-33 So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So what's your new perspective? God will provide everything that I need. The doctors gave you a report that says someone you know or you yourself has a severe health condition. What are God's promises? Jeremiah 30, 17, But I will restore you to health and heal your wounds, declares the Lord. Stand on your promises. Psalm 103, 2 and 3, Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Isaiah 40, 31, But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. I love this. They will soar on winds like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Say, Lord, you're my healer. I trust you. And you know, these things, I'll stop there for a minute. I don't want any one of you to walk away from here today saying, you know what, I prayed for somebody to be healed and they didn't get healed. And so those promises are not true. God heals and he heals in his time and he heals in his way. Sometimes people go to be with him and be healed whole and fully. Trust him. You've struggled with depression for years. Two steps forward, ten steps back. Psalm 9, 9 and 10. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Psalm 34, 17, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. Lamentations 3, 21 to 23. Yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Isaiah 41.10, so do not fear, for I am your God. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You see how these things are changing things? You see how we can cling to God's promises? You've been out of work. It's been a long time. You can't find a job. Every door seems to shut. Some of the verses, 
some of the verses that I've read and applied them to a certain situation, they don't just go with that situation. You take them and apply them to your situation. Deuteronomy 28, 12, Matthew 6, 31 to 33, Philippians 4, 19, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Something terrible happened to you when you were a child or even as an adult and you're holding on to that unforgiveness in your heart Mark eleven twenty five says, and when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. But then Jeremiah 33, 3 says, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. All those questions you have about why did that happen? Ask him. Isaiah 40, 29, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. There's so many promises, so many promises. Mike is going to put a link on Facebook to a lot of the ones that I just talked about, plus some more. And I challenge you, as you wrote down or do write down your situation and what your perspective is, that you go and look for those promises and you write them down and you see how you can change your perspective. Every promise is for you. When Mike gave that word earlier today, right? They're all true. They're all for you. God is faithful. And you know, something you might not know, those situations that I, that I talked about, the only way I came up with those situations is because we've been through every single one of those. Some of them in the middle of right now. Our marriage was on the brink of divorce. We could see no, no other way. No other way. That's where it was headed. But God started showing us his promises. We started looking at life and our marriage through his eyes. And he's redeemed us. He's redeemed us. We haven't always had perspectives based on God's promises, and we don't get it right every time. And, you know, it really helps sometimes to have people around you to remind you of those promises because when you're knee-deep in your circumstance and you see just reality around you, you're basing your perspective on that, and somebody can come along and say, hey, wait a minute, God's promise for you is this. And speak that to your friends, to your spouses, to your children. Speak God's promises. John, if you would come up, please. As I wrap up, still in the book of Numbers, but earlier on in Numbers 3, 32, it tells us there were 603,550 men of war. Of that number, two entered into Canaan. Joshua, Caleb. 603,548 fell in the wilderness. Jesus says, only a few will enter and walk the straight and narrow way leading to life, while many will walk the broad way leading to destruction. Will you... 
And will I decide to develop the disposition like God's two heroes? Or will we be like those spies who brought back the negative report? Be whiners. Let's focus our eyes and minds and hearts on the promises that God has for us. Let's remember the story of love from the very first chapter. He created us and we're his daily delight. So I believe our perspective changes when we base it on God's promises. And even in that little story about the beach, I want to tell you what happened. My perspective did start out that negative way at the beginning. But God started showing me as the day went on, little by little, the other perspective. And I found myself being appreciative of what he had provided and knowing how much he loved me and provided all that for me. And you know what happened? We got another beach day on Friday. Never would have seen it coming. And as far as my running goes, we were at the beach on Monday when I didn't even run that 10 minutes. And that was the most I had ever run in one sitting. When I went and ran on Thursday night, I have no idea how. Yes, I do know how. I ran the whole 20 minutes without stopping. It was a spiritual breakthrough for me. When we change our perspective and we base it on God's promises and God's view, our life, our whole life changes. Our circumstances change. And I just want to end with this. Really, really think about this. In Jeremiah 32, 27, it says, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? Know this today. There is no problem that God cannot solve. There's no relationship that God cannot restore. No relationship that God cannot restore. No relationship that God cannot restore. There is no disease that God cannot heal. There is no heart. No heart that God cannot mend. There is no past that God cannot redeem. There's no sin that God cannot forgive. Every sin. Every sin. There's no bondage God cannot break. There's no need that any of you have here today that God cannot meet. There's no enemy that God cannot defeat. There is no mountain God cannot move. There is nothing, nothing your God cannot do. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word today. God, I thank you for your over 3,500 promises. But God, those promises would mean nothing if you weren't a faithful God. So Lord, help us to look to you. God, to keep our eyes focused on you. 
to base our perspectives on your promises, knowing that you love and care for us. And those promises are for each and every one of us to grab a hold of. God, I pray for each person here today that they would walk out of here with a new perspective, that you would show them as they go about their days and with their big problems and situations, God, that nothing, nothing is too big for you to handle. We love you, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Kathy, for that word, God's promises. So I want to challenge each of you as you head out the door today, as you get home, as you kind of ponder the message. Do what Kathy said. Write that down. Write that thing down. Write down your perspective. And then throughout the week, look for God's promises. Look for God's promises. And see, maybe if your perspective needs to change, maybe you, you can trust God with that circumstance. You can trust God with that thing. So I want to challenge you as you do leave. Write those things down. Be active. Because just like Joshua and just like Caleb, you can take that land. You can restore those lives. You can make all things new. In Jesus' name. So Father, we pray that as you dismiss us today, Lord, that we would be challenged, that we would be uh, willing, Father, to make that change in our perspective, to see your promises through all circumstances, Lord, that you would see, that you would uh, show us, Father, your promises, your truths, Father, that are bigger than any circumstance that we might face. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you all so much. Have a wonderful Labor Day. I hope you all have the day off tomorrow and get time to enjoy. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church Podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com.